she remembered how long she knew me. Like, that's always, always a good thing. Sometimes we have date conversations. You, anybody else do that as a husband or a wife? All right. Uh, happy Easter. I'm excited to share with you guys this morning. But before uh, we jump into our talk today, um, let's go ahead and pray. Father, um, I add my, my thank you this morning. God, I add my thank you for everything you've done for us this morning. I thank you for what you, <laughs> 2,000 years ago, did for every single man, woman, and child in this building. Every man, single man, woman, and child in our entire world and universe, Lord. And thank you for what you've done. And Jesus, as we explore your scripture this morning together for the next couple of minutes, I pray, God, um, that you would do infinitely more with it than we could ever ask or imagine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, um, we like to go to the beach every year um, and take vacation. I don't know if anybody else enjoys that, but as a family of seven, uh, we super enjoy getting out of Dodge for a few days and going on vacation and enjoying time spent with family. And uh, like we always tend to do when we go in and visit someplace, we like, what's a local landmark? What's a local state park? What's a local something we can go do as a family? And so a couple of years ago, we were in Alabama and we were in the Fort Morgan area and we learned later that Fort Morgan actually was a fort. Uh, it was a Civil War fort that had been built. Um, and we're like, let's go there for the day. Let's go and uh, visit the fort. Let's get the kids out exploring, get their legs moving. It wasn't quite as nice to be on the beach that day, so let's just explore for the day. And of course, the kids are running through the fort and doing all these things. And we're like, let's get our, our money's worth. Let's spend the entire day here, which we had littles at the time. We were, we're ours now are from all the way from teenagers all the way down to five-year-olds. But this is a couple of years ago, so the five-year-olds were much younger. And so we decided sillily, is that a word? I don't know, it's going to be today. Uh, we decided sillily to go on a walk around the outside of the property uh, of this state park. And so we, we saw that there was this thing called the seawall, which basically just kept the tide from coming in. And it was kind of this concrete wall that had been there for a very long time. And, and they're like, you can go on it. It's basically like going on a trail. We like to hike as a family. Let's go on the trail. Now, uh, a little bit into it, um, the, the toddlers got a little cranky on this long walk, and we decided, you know, we need to find a way to cut this thing down. And so as we're looking out across the seawall, there's this one part where there's just this big, open, grassy field, and we're like, if we can go across this grassy field, it'll be amazing, because we'll cut off like a mile from this walk, right? And we're going to, let's just cut across this grassy field, we'll not stay on the seawall, and so we start walking, and of course, as you get in a, a grassy field, what do your kids do? They start running around, and playing, and spinning, and all that crankiness starts to go away, and we're like, this is amazing. And then we start to realize that one of the little ones is like, ouch, there's something stuck in my side. And we're like, what's that? And we're like, oh, it's a burr. And then all of a sudden we realize the more we walk in this field, the more all of our feet, especially in the shoelaces and the socks, just get covered in all these little thorny burrs. You guys know what I'm talking about? They call them cockaburrs down there, like super painful. And so for the next couple of hours, um, we've got crying kids. <laughs> You've got... Painful parents, like our fingers are bloody, right, pulling these things out of the kids' shoes. We find them the rest of the vacation in our clothing. Uh, here's the really bad part about it. This year, we went to Iowa on spring break to spend a couple days at a cabin, and I found one, not intentionally, in our car top carrier where we store all the luggage, and it stuck in my finger. I was like, ah, what? Oh, my gosh. Thorns are horrible. <laughs> Thorns are painful. Thorns hurt. Do you know why? Did you know that thorns are literally a part of the curse of sin? 
Do you know thorns and thistles are literally part of what you and I were never expected to live with? Did you know they weren't even created until sin entered the world? It's amazing to think about what thorns really, really are. Guys, did you know that Jesus, when he created mankind, said, I really, really like that. He had made all of creation. He'd formed out of chaos water and the earth and the plants and the animals. He created everything that lived and breathed and moved on the earth, and he'd shaped it, and God had formed it out of his hands, and he created it with his hands. And then he made mankind, and he said, whoa, that's really good. That's really, really, really good. And he thought, that's so good, I'm going to actually breathe my very own life into it. So he actually breathed into mankind, his breath, his life. And he said, you guys are the apple of my eye. You're the most amazing thing I've ever made. And I don't think I'm ever going to make anything quite like you ever again. And he makes mankind. He makes Adam and Eve. He makes man and woman. He places them in the garden. And he says, you know what? I think you're so amazing, David. I think you're so amazing, Scott. I think you're so amazing, Amber. I think you're so amazing. My creation, my men and women I've made, I think you're so amazing. I'm going to actually give you the earth. I'm going to give it to you to rule. I'm going to give you the earth to be yours. I'm going to take the authority up in heaven that's mine, and I'm going to rule up here. But I really want all you guys, you guys rule down there. You rule down there. You get to rule the earth. He says, fill it, subdue it, rule over it. Everything in creation will come underneath your authority. And then we did this silly thing, right? We do this silly thing. He gave us one rule. You ever have that with your kids? I've got one rule for you, and they always break it. We did the same thing, right? Hey, here's your one rule. Just don't eat of that tree. We find out a few chapters into Genesis that they eat the tree, right? They eat the fruit of the tree. And they disobey God's plan for them to rule over the earth. And all of a sudden there's this brokenness. There's this rift in the relationship. There's this rift from being God's prized creation to rule over the earth. There's this rift between that and between creation. It's this interesting thing that happens as Satan deceives them. And it says this in Genesis chapter 3. God has found them, and they blamed everybody else, right? <laughs> it was her fault. It was his fault. It was the sermon's fault, right? And God's talking to them. He's releasing them from their paradise. And he says, because you've listened to the voice of your wife, and you've eaten of the tree, which I command you not to, you shall not eat of it, excuse me. Cursed is the ground. This is where it comes in. This is where thorns come in. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. Did you know thorns were literally created by our brokenness? Thorns were literally created by our sin. They didn't exist before we disobeyed. I found that fascinating as I looked at it this week. As I began to look at the, at the Easter story, I thought it was fascinating that that was never there until we disobeyed God. So what happens? In this moment, we abdicate the throne, the authority of the earth to the enemy. We give him authority he was never meant to have. We give suddenly the enemy authority to rule on the earth, and he gives us only thorns. We abdicate the throne, and he gives us thorns in our lives over and over and over again. 
I don't know about you guys, but I've experienced thorns in my life. I've experienced the consequences of sin and brokenness in my life. I've experienced failure in my life. I've experienced pain. I've experienced pain in real thorns. I've experienced pain in broken bones. Broke my nose a couple times when I was a kid. (laughs) I've experienced pain in surgery. When I was in my first year of ministry, I had an organ removed from my body and came very, very near to death. I've experienced pain because of the curse, because of the thorn. But maybe not just physical pain. We all know what physical pain is, whether the worst thing we've experienced is hitting our finger with a hammer or we've had major surgery or major disease. We've all experienced the curse of the thorns of pain in our bodies. But I'm betting most of you in this room have experienced the curse of pain in your relationships. I know I have. I know there are times where I have let people down and disappointed them and created anger and strife between me and another human being. I know that there are people in my world that have betrayed and let me down and it's created strife between me and them. Do you know all of that is a thorn from the enemy? All of that is a thorn that came because of the curse. And what happens when we we fall into those traps of disillusionment and frustration because of our relationships that are broken and hurting? All of a sudden, it leads us down dark paths, right? We get selfish or we get depressed. Our thoughts get dark, and we literally experience the very thorns of the curse in our life. They exist. They're real. I know every single person, maybe even on your way to church this morning, you had an argument with your spouse, right? Those things happen. We experience the thorns of this life. And if you're like me, what do we try and do? We try and fix them on our own. (laughs) Don't we? We try and rule. We try and step back into that place of authority where we're in charge and the thorns don't have authority over us. We try and step back into that place and we try and fix it. How do I fix my physical pain? How do I fix my emotional pain? How do I take care of this? How do I push that pain aside so I don't have to deal with it? Guys, thorns are all throughout our Bible. Thorns are all throughout our Bibles. This imagery of what they mean for you and me is all throughout our Bibles. Let me just give you a few examples. This is fascinating. Thorns are part of the curse. In Numbers, Moses tells us that thorns would literally be the punishment when Israel disobeyed God's laws. In Joshua, he uses the imagery of thorns for the people groups. He says, I want you to go into the promised land and drive out all of your enemies. And if you don't, they're going to be like thorns in your side and thistles in your side. They're going to be poking at you because you didn't do what I asked you to do. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, right? Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. When he's describing a good life and a bad life in his Proverbs, he says this. He says, thorns are the consequences for a crooked life. You live a crooked life, you're going to get the consequences of thorns. The prophet Jeremiah tells us that the wrath of God, the anger of God is like thorns in your life. Jesus uses the imagery of thorns in his parable of the sower, and he says thorns are the deceitfulness of wealth and the worries of this world. The writer of Hebrews maybe puts it the best. The writer of Hebrews says that uh, a life filled with thorns is worthless. A life filled with thorns is cursed. A life filled with thorns is not good for anything except for to be burned. Guys, we have thorns in our life because we've been separated from relationship with Jesus by the curse. I think 
for me anyway, I don't know if this is true of you, we experience thorns in our life because we've forgotten who's on the throne. I think we experience thorns in our life because we've forgotten who's actually sitting on the throne. Now, you may be aware, since it's the most popular television show that has ever hit mankind, there's a television show out called The Game of Thrones. The Game of Thrones. The idea of this show is there are seven kingdoms, seven families. They're all fighting for the throne. They're all fighting for rulership, for authority in their kingdom. And they will do anything to get the throne. Lie, cheat, steal, kill. They will do whatever it takes. They will do unspeakable things to one another in order to get that throne. You know why I think that show is so popular? It's because it's exactly the world we live in. We all want to rule. We all want authority over the pain in our lives. And we think, if I can just get in charge, then I'm not going to have pain anymore. We think that if I can just get in charge, that I can actually rule again. And that's the idea of the show over and over again, is how do I win the throne? The ultimate game of thrones is played in the scriptures. In Genesis 1, God has heavenly throne, we have earthly throne, and we're supposed to work together. In Genesis 3, we give up the throne to the enemy, and he takes over. And for 4,000 years of human history, he has power, and he throws thorn after thorn after thorn after thorn after thorn at God's people, afflicting them with earthly pain, with physical pain, with relational pain. Here is pain in your life. Here is pain in your life. It's what he just does. And then we have the Christmas story, and Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up on the scene. He said, gosh, they cannot get this right. Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to become a man. I'm going to enter into humanity. I'm going to show them how to do this thing. And he enters into humanity. He enters into humanity, and he says, I'm going to show you how to use heavenly authority. You've gotten rid of your earthly authority. I'm going to show you how to use my authority from heaven. And he shows up on the scene, and he meets Satan early on in his career. He's in the desert, and he's tempted by the devil. And the devil actually brings him up on a high mountain, and he says, look, look what I've got. I've got all the kingdoms of the earth. I'm in charge. You know what? I'll give you authority. All you got to do is bow down. All you got to do is bow down. And you know why he can say that to Jesus? Because he actually had it. He can actually say that because in that moment, he actually had authority over the earth because we'd given it to him. And Jesus says, no, I'm drawing on a greater authority. I'm going to draw on the authority of heaven. I will worship the Lord God and I will serve him only. And now I'm going to start undoing your kingdoms. And it says he comes out of the desert full of the Holy Spirit, full of power, and he starts undoing the works of the devil. He starts using heavenly authority to undo his earthly authority that was given over to the enemy. And he heals the sick. He raises the dead. He gives sight to the blind. He sets the captives free. preaches the good news to the poor. He releases, releases, releases heaven everywhere that he goes. He shows it to him. It says um, in Acts 10, the, the apostle Peter says, He went about doing good and healing everybody that the devil was pushing his finger on. That was Adam's translation, sorry. (laughs) Doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, right? He went about taking care of it. He said, no, heaven's authority is greater than your earthly authority. I'm going to squash it everywhere I go. At this point, the enemy's upset. What is going on? 
What is going on? This is not working out like it's supposed to. I'm in charge here. And we come to the ultimate game of thrones at the cross. We come to the ultimate battle for the throne at the, game, uh, at the cross. And what happens? The enemy says, I've got one tool that works every, every, every time, and it's death. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to take him out. I'm going to take him out. Because I know if I take him out, there's no coming back from that. I know that if I kill him, then my authority will be back on the throne. But we know the Easter story. (laughs) We know the Easter story. The Easter story is that was God's plan the whole time. (laughs) That was God's plan the whole time. God's plan the whole time was to retake the throne. God's plan the whole time was to take humanity and its authority that was underneath the enemy and kill it at the cross. God's plan was, I'm going to take you with me to the cross, and we're going to kill old humanity, and we're going to raise up new humanity. We're going to make a new creation that's no longer underneath the authority of the enemy. I'm going to fill you with my spirit so that you have heaven's authority in everything that you do. And it's going to be amazing. And there's this passage of scripture that unveils this in a way that just came alive to me as I was prepping for Easter this year. Because I think sometimes we read the Easter story and we look and we go, okay, that happened to Jesus, that happened to Jesus, that happened to Jesus. Well, guys, it happened to Jesus. It's not just a list. When it says they stripped him, they put a scarlet robe on him, said, hey, I'm going to kill your authority. Purple was the sign, right, of the king, right? And here he is being mocked and beaten and bruised. And they twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They put a reed in his right hand. They kneeled before him and they said what? Hail, king. Hail, king. Yep, you're the king and you're going to die. This is what's so amazing right there. Isaiah says he bore our griefs. He carried our sorrows. He was pierced for our sins. And by his wounds, the things he was afflicted with, you and I get healed. By what happened to him, we get healed. So he takes things like the curse of thorns was a curse of punishment. And he says, I'm going to take that away. I'm not just going to heal you in the moment. I'm going to actually remove it as far as the east is from the west. The punishment that you're supposed to receive for your misdeeds and your disobedience, I'm going to take that. And we're just going to get rid of it. The pain that's supposed to be inflicted on your life on a daily basis, emotional, physical, I'm going to take that. I'm going to get rid of it. The crooked life and the consequences that you're supposed to receive on this earth, I'm going to take that. I'm going to get rid of it. The pain that you're supposed to have from having enemies and people that you don't get along with, I'm going to take that and I'm going to get rid of it. Guys, he takes all of God's anger. It says all of God's anger was satisfied at the cross. And he removes God's wrath at the cross. He goes to the cross and he takes all the cares of your world, all the deceitfulness of wealth. He takes all of it and he removes it. He takes upon himself every worthless idea that you've ever had about yourself, and he removes it and says, no, you belong. If you feel cursed, I'm getting rid of it. If you feel like you deserve the fires of hell, I'm getting rid of it. You don't anymore. It's gone. I'm removing judgment from you. 
right? Jesus literally takes on the crown of our curse, the crown of our thorns, and gives us his crown instead. Do you realize how amazing that is? He goes inside of the thing that was supposed to create us pain and gives us life instead. He goes inside of the thing that was supposed to bring us curse and judgment and instead gives you freedom. That's what Jesus did on the cross. He took upon the crown of our curse and killed our old life so that we could have authority again. Not to just die for us in our place, but actually to die as humanity in that moment so a new humanity could be born in that moment. So in death, what do we begin to experience? In Jesus' death, what do you and I begin to experience? We begin to experience freedom. We're not slaves anymore. We're not held to bondage. We're free men and women in Jesus. It's amazing. No longer do we experience brokenness, but we experience health. And wholeness, salvation, the word actually means wholeness, completeness. You can experience what it means to be complete and whole in Jesus. Instead of being a slave, you get to be a son or a daughter. Instead of being an orphan, you get to be in the family. Guys, that is what happens in the crown of the curse that Jesus took on for you and for me. We get to experience literally a new birth into a new creation. We actually get to view our life completely differently than we did before. Do you know when you die, you look at the world differently? Did you know that? When you die, you begin to look at the world a little bit differently. And in death, we experience freedom and health and wholeness. Our perspective is changed in Jesus' death as we accept that into our lives. But here's what I've discovered in my own life. Maybe you discovered this too. I still keep trying to pull out the thorns. I keep trying to do it all by myself. You can't. You cannot. That is the mystery of the cross. You cannot. You can try, but you shouldn't try. Paul actually says that when you try, it's like crucifying Jesus all over again. We just stop doing that. Quit trying to pull out your own thorns. You cannot do it. And here's the beauty of the freedom of this. He's already done it for us. He's already done all the hard work. All the heavy lifting has been done by Jesus. I'm going to trip on that and die soon. (laughs) All the heavy lifting has been done for us. All of it. Our only job, our only, only, only job is to believe it and then receive it. Not just acknowledge that it's true, but take that truth and put it in your own life. That Jesus has actually won the Game of Thrones. That Jesus has actually died as us and killed off our old life. And now we have amazing authority with him. Because we don't just get to just experience the death of our old life. We actually get to experience the resurrection of our new life. And that's the freedom of Easter. No longer the thorns. We experience the throne. We get to experience the benefits of what Jesus has done in our lives. Guys, do you know what it's like to live not just with freedom, but with authority again? Not just with freedom, but with authority again. Freedom comes in death. Authority comes in resurrection. Authority comes in resurrection. That we get to go about, go throw that Acts 10 passage back up there again. We get to go out full of God's spirit and his power, doing good and healing all 
to repent. Guys, in 1994, 25 years ago, I gave my life to Jesus. And for the first time in my life, I learned what it was like to be resurrected. I had a horrible life before I knew Jesus. I was depressed. I was angry. I was frustrated. I was disappointed. I was addicted to things that had nothing to do with God in this life. And when his love washed over me in that moment of salvation, everything changed. And all of a sudden, a weightlessness came over my life that I had never experienced before. Oh my gosh, look at all the things I've been trying to do instead of just sitting in your love. Instead of just enjoying the freedom that comes with knowing you. Instead of enjoying this truth that comes out of Ephesians 2. When we were dead in our sins... God made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him, praise God, and seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Does that mean that there's still reform? My bet is, maybe even today, you've experienced some of the pain of the cross. Maybe even today. There's been pushback because the enemy is still on the play within your heart. He's still trying to win his authority, and he can't take it back. He cannot take it back in your life. Will he throw some, some haymakers at you sometimes? Probably. Here's the difference. When we understand this truth, that you've been saved and you're seated with Christ in heavenly places, you can rise above it. We can rise above it. We can rise above the pain of this life and look with a different perspective and know that there's victory. Know that Jesus is on the throne. Know that we get to reign in this life with him. Know that we have authority to undo any pain that he throws at us. Any pain that he throws at us, we have the ability to undo it because of the cross of Jesus. We can actually rise above it and go, I know that even though I screwed up, there's not consequences and judgment and wrath for my sin. God satisfied that at the cross, and now I'm free from that stuff. Listen to this. This is, this is the most important thing. Grace By grace you've been saved through faith. It's not your own doing. It is a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift. It's got to cost me something. Sure, it cost you your life. You had to die. But it's a gift to receive the new life, the new authority. The new promise on our lives is freedom. The new promise on our life is power. The new promise on our life is the ability to rise above the thorns of this world and live differently because of who's on the throne. See, Jesus played the game of thorns for you and for me take every sin and every brokenness to the cross and kill it so that you and I could sit with him on the throne. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for Easter. Thank you that you didn't just die and kill off sin, but you rose up again to regain all the authority that humanity was meant to have. Thank you, Papa, that we're free in you. Thank you that we're free in Jesus. Thank you that grace is everything. Thank you that it's a gift. Thank you that we don't have to work hard, God, not by works so that we can boast, but by a gift that we receive from you, God. Thank you that we can just walk into it and receive it. 
We're free in you. We're free in you. We're free in you. Jesus, as we sing, come make that truth come alive one more time. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with us? We're going to sing one final hymn this morning. And as we sing, I, I don't pay attention to, to the words of the song. Pay attention to uh, the, the videos that's on the screen this morning. Pay attention to what happened 2,000 years ago for you and for me. And I encourage some of you in this room um, need to make a big decision today. And we're going to talk about that as, I come, as we come out of this song. Because I believe there's resurrection life for some of you this weekend. Let's worship one more time together.